Good morning, and welcome to Coffee with the Sarlos. I'm Karen. Good morning, I'm Kelly, and today we are extra excited because we have one of our biggest girl crushes on the show, Nina Brown. Welcome, Nina. Good morning. Thank you, Karen and Kelly, and thank you for having me on the show. I'm real pleased to be asked. It's an absolute pleasure for us. Oh, absolutely. So Nina's calling in today um, uh, from Norfolk. Is that how you say it? Norfolk? Mm-hmm. Virgin- Norfolk. Norfolk, Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, Nina is the author of 34 books. You talk about having a person at the top of their game to be able to explain to us all about the topics that you write about in your books today. Nina is also the professor and eminent scholar at the Counseling and Human Services Department at Old Dominion University down in the United States. So thank you for calling in this morning. Thank you for even thinking of me, much less having me on your show. It's a pleasure. Thinking of you? (laughs) Well, I think all of our listeners are going to know, Nina, that we refer to your books on a regular basis. So this isn't something new for our listeners to to know that you would be one of the people that we would want to share with um, those who are seeking to heal themselves and to be in healthy relationships. So it's a no-brainer for us that, that you're here today. Well, I hope that what I have to say can be helpful to someone. I certainly appreciate your goal of helping people help themselves to grow and heal. And that's primarily what we're about. Yeah. So, Nina, can we get you to start today on one of our favorite topics, which is about narcissists? And for people who, and and you refer to them often as um, self-absorbed people. So can you start by helping our listeners who haven't maybe fully read the books to understand how you define somebody who is suffering with this? Well, the reason I don't use the word narcissist is because it's such a pejorative term. And I use the term self-absorbed instead because it doesn't have all of the negative connotations that when you call someone a narcissist. And in addition, uh, that is a psychiatric diagnosis. And, of course, most of the people that we call narcissists haven't been evaluated to see if they would receive that diagnosis. And so I think that when we talk about the self-absorbed, that's really what we're talking about. We're not talking about someone who has a psychiatric diagnosis, but we are talking about someone who has many of... the same behaviors and attitudes, perhaps not as many, perhaps not as intense, but they do have some of those in common. And also another reason that I refer to them as self-absorbed is so that there's a possibility of change. Hmm. And when you label someone as a narcissist, it's like there's no possibility of changing. And so I do like to keep that option open and alive. I think it's a wonderful approach. Yeah. Yeah. So can you give us some of the qualities when somebody is experiencing being self-absorbed in their life? Yeah, there are um, quite a few um, characteristics. Uh, These are people who will many times be very grandiose or will... The flip side of grandiosity is when they show the impoverished self, but the the same thing, just different sides of the coin. Mm-hmm. They're people who they will, and they will not have all of these characteristics, but they will have many of them. Um, attention needs where they want all of the attention and looks like every conversation comes back to something about them. Uh, They seek admiration, even for things that they really didn't do, but as long as they're connected with it, they feel like they should be admired for whatever it was that's Mm -hmm. bringing the appreciation. They have a lack of empathy. That is one of the most 
important characteristics to look for. Um, They may seem like they have empathy, but they really don't understand what the other person is feeling. They exploit others. They don't really see themselves as separate and distinct from others, and so they feel okay about manipulating or controlling them and getting them to do whatever they think they want them to do. They have shallow emotions. Um, They have the words, but they don't have the feelings. And if you reflect on interactions with them, you will find that for the most part, they only express very few feelings, if any at all. They'll talk about feelings and they'll have thoughts about feelings, but they won't have the feelings themselves. There's an emptiness inside. There is, um, let's say, they want everyone to consider them them as being unique and special. They have an entitlement attitude. And I guess a good way to just sum it up is that they have many of these troubling behaviors and attitudes that impair relationships, and they certainly have difficulty initiating, maintaining meaningful and satisfying relationships. Would that go right into their careers, too? Would you say that it's not like it's not just in one area of their life, or could it be? No, it's it's all over. Uh, I think one thing that I didn't say that probably needs to be said at the very beginning is that these people are unaware of how they are coming across to others. They don't recognize their self-absorption. They don't recognize their lack of empathy. They don't recognize their entitlement attitude or their grandiosity. And the reason I'm, uh, there's a reason I emphasize this. And that reason is that just as they can't see those characteristics in themselves, so we can't see these in ourselves. Hmm. Hmm. I'm not sure if that makes sense to you, but uh, what they're not seeing that we can see so easily, uh, maybe there's a piece of us that we don't see that others do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think anyone can appreciate that. I do want to comment too. I love the pace at which you go in this podcast um, because I think this is a very difficult topic for someone to accept if they are living through this right now. And I think the way that you present everything in such a paced manner allows people to kind of let one thing sink in at a time and just kind of have that oh moment. Well, thank you. Yes, of course. And you know what? It brings to mind the way that we read your books, too, and the way that we refer to you. We do say to people, this is not a book you read cover to cover Mm -hmm. in a week. This is a book that you might read a sentence, put down and say, Jesus, I need to think about that for a week. I found when I read the books, Nina, um, that I had to read them many times because I I remember the first time reading your book children of the self-absorbed and thinking oh that's this person and then reading it a second time and going oh that's this other person and then reading it the third time and saying oh that's me yes (laughs) we all do that you you have to take a step back and say okay maybe there's a piece of me that does this maybe there's a piece of me that is grandiose And I like to use this um, example for deciding, you know, making people aware that maybe they do have some grandiosity. Mm -hmm. So the way I do that is to say, have you ever overcommitted yourself? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so the answer, including me, the answer I usually get is yes all of the time. Well, isn't it a bit grandiose to think that you can do everything and then do it all well? Yeah. So when does it become so, diff- different that it's a problem, Nina? Um, 
it's not any one characteristic. Okay. It would be a collection of characteristics and behaviors. Mm-hmm. So it's not any one thing. And although I named some of the characteristics, uh, by no means do I mean that because I'm grandiose in this direction, uh, that means that I'm self-absorbed or narcissistic. It just means that that's something I need to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. And it also gives me a clue that maybe I need to look at some other behaviors and attitudes to see if they are reflective of self-absorption. Mm. I like using a pendulum in my mind, thinking, am I swinging a pendulum to grandiosity or whichever quality you're taking? And am I swinging it where I'm really running from it? Or am I really in the middle of it? And where do I find middle ground? Can I be healthy? That's good. That can be hard. Where's the middle? Where's the balance? Mm-hmm. Just before yeah. we go, before we go into the book and kind of asking more questions about it, I am just so curious to know why you chose this as a direction for your career. That's interesting because um, it really came out of a very negative experience I had with a, I guess you could call it a supervisor. Um, certainly someone who had um, an evaluative function over me. Mm-hmm. And um, that person was very, very infuriating. And most of the time I stayed frustrated and upset. And every time I had a interaction with the person, I don't think I ever had a cordial interaction. I think it was, I always left uh, upset. Mm-hmm. And so being a mental health professional, I figured out it was me. I wasn't good enough. I wasn't doing something right. And so I tried harder and harder, but the same thing kept happening. And then I went to a meeting with some colleagues and mentioned at that meeting that I'd had um, an interaction with this supervisor, and I had to go home and... um, take a couple of Tylenol and take a nap because I had such a bad headache. Mm -hmm. And everyone sitting around the table said, "Uh, I always get a headache after talking to that person. (laughs) And so for me, that was a clue that maybe it wasn't all me. Mm -hmm. And then I began to go into the literature, and uh, I think it was Otto Kernberg's book, that gave me a clue about, um, he wrote a book on borderline and narcissistic personality disorders. Mm -hmm. And I read it and I said, hmm, well, this person I haven't evaluated, so I can't give a psychiatric diagnosis, but this person has many of the characteristics and attitudes and behaviors that suggest um, a narcissistic personality disorder. Then I talked with some of my uh, colleagues in uh, mental health, and we talked about whether or not that could be a subclinical category. And they thought that, yeah, that could really be helpful to spell out what these behaviors and attitudes were that were troubling, but they weren't enough of them or they weren't as intense or they hadn't been diagnosed with um, narcissistic personality disorder and indeed may not have one, but they still had these behaviors and attitudes that were impairing and negatively impacting relationships. So that's how I got into this. Thank you. And Mm -hmm. And I don't know how or if it's appropriate to say, but I'm so thank you for this supervisor in your life and that you have the personality to do something productive with an unfortunate situation. Because, you know, I mentioned in the introduction that you're one of our girl crushes. And to be honest, it's much more than that. You're a lifesaver for both of us. Mm -hmm. Oh, dear. Thank you. Yeah. The life work that you decided to do has completely changed the way that Karen and I both live to be able to confront our own issues in our personal life with our parents, with grandparents, with brothers and sisters, and then to be able to share that wisdom that we've collected from you and many other authors like you 
to to share that with all of our clients and and create a healthier community here in our little town in Ontario, Canada. And to all of the people that choose to follow the podcast lineup, because we have a following now who will read the books that we suggest and will call in from all over the world um, for appointments with Kelly and I. And we constantly refer out because, as you've mentioned, with narcissists, it can be that there's a diagnosis but I think for the average person, there is not. And so that whole group that you're addressing, whether it's a, our child or our kid's teacher or partner, or whoever, maybe they're never going to be diagnosed. So how do we go forward and manage? How do we deal with grandma? How do we deal with dad? So can we step into that a little bit now when we have someone in our life that's displaying some of these qualities? Can you help us navigate those relationships? I think that's kind of an overwhelming task, but okay, I, I do. Let's <laughs> let's put it this way. Will you do um, what you want with that question? I, yeah, that question. And I my first response is me, but <laughs> oh, so wonderfully humble. <laughs> uh, it, what I can do is to maybe suggest some ways that you can develop and fortify yourself. Yeah. And I don't mean yourself as one word. I mean your your and self, your inner being, to be able to withstand the negative behaviors and attitudes you might encounter from those in your life who are self-absorbed. Mm -hmm. And so to me, that's the best thing. You can't change another person. Nothing you do or say is going to change that person. Mm -hmm. Nothing you tell them or anyone tells them is going to make them say, aha, I need to change, and I need to change in this way. If you, I mean, if they would, that would be wonderful. But by and large, the only person you have to work with is yourself. And so the way I approach it is that I want you to help you understand why you react and behave in the way that you do, especially in the face of the self-absorbed person. And then how can you protect yourself from some of the more negative comments and actions that they display mm -hmm. so it's more about protecting yourself letting go of old patterns of behaviors and attitudes that are counterproductive for your well-being and then building on your strengths and gaining a new sense of who you are that's the piece that I might have some suggestions for. Sure. Oh, I and I, love it. I think the the biggest thing that you do before all of this, just in your writings, is allow people to understand that they themselves are not crazy. Right. To be able to right. see the truth and then know, okay, I do need to help myself. I do need to protect myself. They first need to know that what they're seeing or what they're feeling is real. And well, then what you just did was you changed the focus on I, I'm I'm not in this relationship to become a fixer. And, and that's key right there that you give people is that pause to be able to say, hmm, instead of thinking I have to fix this person who's self-absorbed, how do I focus on myself? Right. Okay. And, and it's more productive mm -hmm. because you can waste a lot of time and energy trying to work on another person with no success. And mm -hmm. indeed, you probably have already mm -hmm. and have encountered a lot of frustration because that person isn't changing the way that you think would be most helpful for the relationship. Yes. Yeah. That's the definition of crazy. Well, thereabouts. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, at, at least frustrated with yourself. And with the mm -hmm. other person, which is just going to spiral the relationship in that way. Mm -hmm. It will. So what are some of the ways that you that you advise to protect yourself? 
Well, one of the first one, of course, is, is what I've said before, and that is to accept that you can't change another person. Mm-hmm. And so to give up trying. Um, you know, hadn't been working. Um, and, and and I think it was Albert Einstein that gave the definition of insanity. Yes. That's doing the same thing over and over with the same result, but expecting a new result. Mm-hmm which doesn't happen. So giving that up could be helpful. Um, Another thing that uh, preliminary action that you could take that would help you a lot is to develop some emotional insulation that you could use when you're interacting with this self-absorbed person. Because usually in interactions with your self-absorbed person, um, you get a lot of negative comments coming your way, uh, a lot of demeaning, diminishing, um, lowering of your self-esteem comments and even attitudes. And, and so you take them in and they come in and pile up on top of what you already have there and so it doesn't make you feel very good about themselves, about you or them. Mm-hmm. And so um, developing a little emotional insulation could be helpful. And the emotional insulation would be used in interactions with this self-absorbed person whereby you could visualize something between you and the person that allows you to hear what the person is saying, but the negative part doesn't get through. Mm-hmm. So kind of like, so yeah. like water off a duck. You mean like you hear it, Teflon, like you let it go. You don't bring it in. You don't personalize it. Does that mean, Nina, that you don't believe it? Uh, it doesn't make any difference whether you believe it or not. You don't need it. And if you feel like there may be some truth in it, you can examine it at a later time Mm -hmm. uh, when you want to be self-reflective. But right now, uh, when you're in that interaction, you don't want those negative feelings and you don't want to carry those around. And so you ward them off. And you can do this by visualizing a curtain, um, gate, a force field, anything that works for you whereby, yeah, I can hear you, but I'm not taking this in. Well, it reminds me of like taking the information and putting it in a file folder to look That's at. That's a good one. Yeah, like, like a file folder, like for later. And I like the idea that you said that you're going to look at that later, not in the current moment because your emotions might not be, well, they might be triggered. So I'm not going to look at that now. I'm going to put that aside in my file folder and, and look at it when my emotions aren't all revved up. I think that that's a good way of saying it, and I can build on that by saying that's another strategy that you can use in those interactions is to, let's say, put it in a file folder. I'll look at it later. But to say to the other person, hmm, I wonder if, that is something I need to look at. Why don't I think about this instead of trying to defend yourself in the moment or to show them that they are wrong because they're never wrong. And so you end up less frustrated in that interaction. Yeah, mm-hmm. which I think sometimes it's almost seem, it would almost seem that that's one of their goals is to make you frustrated. So if you remove if you remove that from them, then they have to focus on something else to do with you. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but then you know I'm not so much worried about them. They'll find something. Uh, I'm more <laughs> I'm more concerned about you and, and keeping you on an even keel. Right. So yeah, and may and so that you're not taking a whole lot of negative thoughts about yourself uh, away. from from the interaction with that person. Mm. Well, I guess it's important to take a look at the truthfulness of what they're saying to you because sometimes they'll make a statement 
uh, and you can you can correct me if I'm wrong, but they may make a statement that doesn't have truth to it. And it, if it doesn't, then it doesn't even necessarily need to go into the file folder. It might go directly into the garbage can. Or not or just roll off of you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I will say that, you, you know, there's seldom truth in something someone says to you about you where they say, you always. The grandiose. You never. You should. Mm-hmm. You ought. Uh, if they come across with that, you know, don't even bother thinking about it. Oh, that's a wonderful rule. Uh-huh. Permission. It's self-permission to to, mm-hmm. to not be engaged. Mm-hmm. And that's a nice thing for people to hear because sometimes people don't give themselves permission to disengage. They think if this is my mother or this is my father, I have to stay engaged. And sometimes the parent even says those things in those statements. I'm your mother. I'm your father. Kind of reemphasizing that this where this these comments have weight to them and you're saying we get to sit back and perhaps not give them weight just because they're a particular role in our life uh yes i think that is what i'm saying and just because you're your mother or your father or your lover or your spouse or anybody in your life doesn't mean you have to take in how they're characterizing you. I think that's a wonderful thing for people, children, adult children or of any age. That's a wonderful Mm -hmm. thing for some of them that they're going to hear today because they may never have thought that idea before. It doesn't mean you don't love your parent. It doesn't mean you don't respect your parent. It just means that, okay, you have this perspective and you're telling me but that's as far as it's going. Mm-hmm. I don't have to take it in. And that's difficult because they've often, if you're a children or a child of the self-absorbed, you often see yourself as an extension of the parent. Uh, yeah, we do have a term for that. It's called separation and individuation. Right. And that's where you end and others begin. And so one of the things I would wonder is if you see yourself as an extension of the parent, how are you also seeing others as extensions of you? Oh, I love that. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, that's just a cycle of control then. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. You're not an extension of your parent, or you don't have to be. Mm. And that doesn't mean that you don't love them dearly, but you are a unique, worthwhile individual, as are they. Love it. I'm just smiling from ear to ear, because it, <laughs> it, it, I wish you could see my face, because it allows a person to begin self-loving. It's very difficult to say to somebody, oh, work on self-loving and self-soothing techniques, if they haven't even figured out that they're an individual. So, yeah, because how do you really do that if you always think you're an extension of somebody else? Well, you've got to be separate and distinct Mm -hmm. and think of yourself that way. Do you have suggestions for partners who are trying to encourage and be the support system for their for their partner who is learning to individuate as an adult child? The only thing I can say would be if if it's a partner, uh, spouse, um, is to be patient, number one. They didn't get this way in however long they've lived. Mm -hmm. To have it and be able to get rid of it in um, a very short time. It took time for them to get to this point and take time for them to learn new ways of being in the world. The second thing that I would say is that um, empathy, Mm -hmm. or at least 
understanding that while you may not understand why they feel as they do, understand that they do have these feelings and don't try to talk them out of it. Don't try to minimize the feelings because that's what they've experienced all of their lives. Oh, I love it. So yeah. it's, it's acceptance. It's, it's acceptance, and it's, it's kind of a, you know, I wish you didn't have to go through this, but I'm going to be with you and support you as you do go through this and grow and develop and even thrive. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. It would be quite the challenge if both people in the relationship didn't individuate from their parents as they're encouraging and supporting each other. Do you find, Nina, that if it's a couple, do you do you often see where both people come from that type of family where they both have parents that were self-absorbed? Or do you find, like, do they mirror for each other? Not exactly. I I think it's different. You know, I gave you a list of characteristics Mm-hmm. And I told you they differ in the number, intensity, yes. and kind. And so you can see that there may be thousands of different combinations. Yeah. And so even if they both came from uh, self-absorbed parenting, it also their personality is going to make them respond to that in very different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're not mirroring each other. They're mostly mirroring their past experiences. Oh, I love that. Right. That's a good distinction. Yeah. Nina, can you tell us how um, parents who are self-absorbed impact and affect their children? Okay. I think that um, they have a negative impact mostly on their self-esteem and on their relationships. So the adult children could experience some of the following. Uh, A lack of meaning or purpose in life, unable to initiate and maintain a satisfying intimate relationship, Uh, lots of problems in relationship with family or friends, and at work, a lack of self-confidence, feeling incompetent or flawed. Don't feel that others can understand and accept you, that even when you try to tell them what it's like for you, they don't understand. To feel isolated and alienated. Sort of feel out of emotionally out of sync with others. Insecure about your abilities to cope or be effective. You can feel hurt and angry at unfair blame or criticism, and this happens often. I mean, everyone can feel hurt and angry at unfair blame or criticism, but this happens to this person often. Mm -hmm. A generalized dissatisfaction with self. Um, Others may criticize you as overreacting. Don't you just hate that one? Yes. Mm -hmm. Being detached or withdrawn. Others characterize you as insensitive, uncaring, arrogant or cocky, overbearing, shallow, touchy, oversensitive. Being overly responsible, uh, seeking the limelight or approval. There are lots of ways that a self-absorbed parent could have affected the developing child that carries over into adulthood. Mm -hmm. And I think it would probably be heavily influenced too by the outside support system growing up. So if you had a self-absorbed parent or two parents, but you had nurturing, kind, present teachers, let's say, where you did have other examples of of good adult role models that you may exhibit different kinds of of those uh, characteristics or qualities that you're talking about. Yeah, I think that that would help a lot 
But you've got to remember that it's the parent who's going to have the most influence. And so even if you have others that are, let's say, not as self-absorbed or who can relate to you as you need to be related to as a child, uh, you still have to go back, and most of your interactions is going to be with that parent. Mm-hmm. And if that parent has made you, the child, responsible for his or her emotional well-being, then you are going to have a difficult time getting away from that as an adult. Yeah, the work still needs to be done. A lot of work, yeah. So, Nina, mm-hmm. when you when people purchase your books... Do you suggest any one in particular about the topic we're on right now that if they're listening in this moment and want to go and pick something up, do you have a number of books that engage them in this process? Well, I think that there are two that I could um, could recommend right now. One would be Children of the Self-Absorbed, the second edition. And incidentally, there'll be a third edition next year, I want to say. Oh, yay. And then there's um, one on children of the aging self-absorbed, which is focused on uh, coping and managing yourself with the aging parent and taking care of your children and grandchildren who have to interact with that self-absorbed person. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, yeah. I like I can't say thank you enough for just providing these resources for people. Well, thank you for even thinking of me. Yeah. And I know like I know mom you also come from a different generation where you didn't have this readily available to you. And I know that my view is some kind, sometimes more rigid. And I think that people these days don't have an excuse to be as unhealthy as they used to be because of people like you, Nina, where our resources are just right there. You, you know, your books are at our doorstep almost every other day delivered by Amazon. <laughs> and there's another one coming actually. Yeah. And it's just, I just don't think that there's, there's that excuse anymore because people like you have done so much hard work to make sure that we can help ourselves well i think that you do have a lot of resources out there and you do and people like you who are willing to help and to provide encouragement and support but you've also got to remember that our awareness of the impact of these kinds of conditions and experiences on us is growing mm-hmm. and has grown. I mean, there are a lot of things, if you think about it, even in your short lifetime, that has changed in terms of our being aware of this being a positive influence and this being a negative influence. Yeah. We're evolving. And so I, I would like to say, no, there's no excuse. But yes, there is, Mm -hmm. because just like the Me Too movement, that just came. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We we couldn't anticipate that. And so that awareness of the hostile work environment, of the sexually exploitive work environment, or any, or even athletics, um, this has all come about in the past few years, and so our awareness has been increased that this is and was a problem and has a negative impact. And so I think that there's still more to come. I sure hope so. One of the most beautiful things I went through in reading your book was the list that you gave at the beginning of today's show, where you actually outline and describe for people the characteristics of a person who is self-absorbed because without understanding that Nina we just think it's just mom we think it's just dad we don't understand that there even is an issue or that there Mm -hmm. could be solutions and that I have choices your books gave me personally choices in my relationships with family but with absolutely everybody in my life including professionally So whenever I'm in a situation and someone is with me who may 
show me that they're struggling with being self-absorbed, I now have choices around how I want to behave with it and how I want to feel. My emotions are different now. That gave me some emotional intelligence instead of just reacting out of my injured self. That's wonderful to hear. Sounds like you've done a lot of reflecting and growing. Well, you've been part of my life (laughs) for over a decade. And like I said to you, I truly mean it when I say that I read your book many times. I was not joking from cover to cover, trying to figure out where I was in it and where other people, you know, around me in my life were. And the desire that I had to be able to, and you've said this at the beginning, it stop figuring out or trying to think that I'm here and my purpose on earth is to fix another person. That that was one of the things that I think I grew up believing as a Catholic girl. And, and that was my experience. I don't mean for all Catholic girls. And with my own family was that if you're a good girl, you're going to fix your partner, you're going to fix mom and dad, you're going to fix other people. And your book stopped me in my tracks. Well, good, because you can't. Exactly. (laughs) And that's what I mean about that you, you kind of you put the brakes on like you put you it's like you put your hand on my forehead and said, stop, stand back and think. Make it about you and your own growth. And that, that's a very big thing for people to hear because sometimes we're told that when we do that, we're being selfish. We're the ones being self-absorbed. And you gave me permission to re, re, reward that. Well, that's too bad that people think that, you know, reflecting on who you are and what you want, what you need to do, and how you can be the kind of person that you want to be is being selfish I, I, I have a little trouble with that because I think that all of us could use that increased awareness of where we are in the world and who we are in the world. And I think that it takes us to a new or newer, but a more satisfying meaning and purpose for our lives because it's fulfilling us. And it's not that we're not in touch with others, we are, and we're trying to be, let's say, empathic and caring, and we do the best we can with that. And so I I don't think it's selfish at all. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. It's, it's just sometimes if you're not raised that way, or if you have a partner who's self-absorbed, who keeps throwing that in your face when you try to do your own self-work, it's good to hear coming out of Nina Brown's mouth. It's good to read it in a book called Children of the Self-Absorbed because it really does give us permission to stand back. I call it the one degree of separation because it, it allows us to step outside of the, um, the, uh, the situation itself so that we have you. You were the anchor. I'll call you the anchor. Can I call you an anchor, Nina? <laughs> That would be nice. Yeah. 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 Like you you anchored me outside of some relationships that that needed looking at. And that's where I'm trying to say to the listeners that it's so very important to follow Nina Brown (laughs) on the internet (laughs) and to buy the books and to educate yourself because those anchors give us healthy perspectives. And you educate. That's the point. Well, that was what I was trying to do, and I'm glad to hear that it succeeded. But I have a question for you. Yes. What do you think would be helpful that I haven't addressed? In today's show? Uh, in the in books. Oh. Well, actually, I just ordered another one of your books today. <laughs> um <laughs> Oh, I don't, I'd have to think about that. I'd really have to give it pause because we often are asked by clients how to separate and go no contact. Um, And the idea of setting up a boundary where we're often, we're often questioned by clients, if I don't want to talk to my dad again, is it okay? But I, is it accurate though, that you do 
discuss that in some of your books? I haven't read all of your books. Um, I yeah. I also say in there, and I don't know which one or where now, that um, I know a lot of people grow up feeling like they have to forgive and forget. And it's kind of hard sometimes to forgive some of the things that have happened. And my perspective is you don't forgive until you're ready to. Mm -hmm. And if you don't want to forgive, you don't have to. Mm -hmm. It can be a challenge, too, to be expected to forgive a parent if they're going to continually perpetuate that self-absorption and the hurt that it causes over and over again. So I guess I could ask, I would think that a good question is, how do you stay in that relationship with a parent who is self-absorbed and work on who you are when it's the, I'll say there's a re-injury on a constant basis. Well, that's where emotional insulation comes in. Mm -hmm. And that's also where you might need stronger emotional insulation for time that will allow you to interact with your parents or parent uh, and not be re-injured. I hate to say this, but sometimes distance and formality will help. And so I know what you're longing for is a loving relationship, a loving, caring relationship, but it hasn't happened. And the likelihood of it happening, of them changing and that happening, is remote. And when you open yourself up to that yearning and longing, that gives them an opportunity to come back in and hurt you even more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you can have a cordial, civil, courteous, formal relationship. Mm-hmm. With good, healthy boundaries. Healthy boundaries or even just self-protective boundaries. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like that. Okay, Nina, can you give us yeah. some healthy self-protective boundaries? Can you give us a couple of ideas of what that could look like? Um, I think one might be, and and they will violate these boundaries, and my perspective is that you can't prevent them from violating the boundaries, but what you can do is to work on how you respond to the violations. For example, if they are chastising you about something that you as an adult feel like it's your business and not really theirs, it doesn't do any good to say that. It doesn't do any good to push back. It doesn't do any good to explain. Because you've said before. Or to try to to get them to see your perspective. None of that works. You've probably tried it, and it didn't work. But what could work is, an acknowledgement to them of, okay, you probably have a point. I think I need to think about this. I'll think about it. You know, maybe I'll get back to you on it. Okay. But, so almost like buying yourself time. Yeah. And I'm out of there, and you don't have to think about it if you don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> okay, so I see your point there. <laughs> I get it. I was following you along there. Because sometimes I think for some people, Nina, that when you get triggered or you get hurt, you we want to come back and we, we want to set the boundary or we want to run from it or we want to argue with them and you're offering a completely different option. Yes. So that you Because can, none of those work. Yeah. And then if you're dismissing it or you're just saying, I can think about it later, then you hopefully there's an opportunity to change the topic so that you can stay and you can continue to enjoy dinner mm-hmm. or whatever it is that you know whatever it is that you're engaging in at the moment right, right. okay right. you're validating their their existence and not fighting them because like you said they're never wrong right correct okay okay 
I love it. I'm I'm so I'm so thankful that you agreed to do this with us today. Well, I am so appreciative of your asking me, and this has been a very rewarding experience. Oh, oh well, thank you. We we play this um, kind of humorous game on our podcast show every week, every Saturday that we have a show airs. Every time we discuss a new topic about emotional intelligence, we almost time ourselves <laughs> as to how fast into the show we'll name our favorite authors <laughs> and the book that they can refer to based on the topic, um, and, and it's quite often that your your name and your books are in there so it's it's just beyond a pleasure to have you today absolutely and we hope Nina that as you keep writing these books and have so much to share with us we would love to be able to have you back so that we can bring up another topic of another book I imagine that the book that you mentioned about aging parents Mm -hmm. would be another um, show that people would love to hear as we have a bigger group of people, um, the baby boomers coming into that 60s and older, and starting to go into the aging process. And and not to say by any means that all baby boomers are self-absorbed. But but it's a large cohort. Yeah. So if, if, you're, if you're game, we would certainly love to have you back. Well, I certainly am. And uh, I'll be delighted to come back whenever you want me. Then we will put up on the website for the people listening to the show today information where you can get Nina Brown's books, um, Children of the Self-Absorbed, and some of the other ones that she will send to us. You can um, go straight to the site by sarlo.com to find her. Excellent. Well, if you have questions or comments about today's show, you can email us at info at Otherwise, have a wonderful Saturday.